0: Hi, and welcome to episode number 184, 10 lessons I have learned in my marriage. So I hope you had a great week. We did. We had grandbaby number 19. Yes, it's hard to believe. (laughs) It's very surreal. It's very happy. It's very joyful. And it's like, oh my goodness, we are just beginning and we have 19 already. So um, my mom gave me really a beautiful compliment, um, A couple of years ago when we were having all these grandchildren. And she said, man, your kids must have really had a great family life that they want to have large families. And I thought, gosh, that's really a great compliment. And um, certainly by the grace of God and Michael and I really, really worked hard to have the kind of family life and family culture that we wanted our children to also emulate. So, We're very grateful, very fortunate, very grateful. Um, So let's go on to 10 lessons I've learned in my marriage. Some of these, maybe you're already struggling with, maybe you've already learned. Some you may think, oh, I didn't think there was anyone else who struggled with this. And odds are what you're struggling with, someone else by a factor of a bajillion (laughs) has also, you know, struggled with the same problem. So Um, let me just go through them. Number one, our friendship is the most critical component to our marriage. This is the first lesson that I think I learned. You know, intimacy is important. There's four different kinds, I think, of intimacy. There's emotional intimacy and physical intimacy and mental intimacy and spiritual intimacy. And we tend to think about the physical intimacy as a way to define the health of the marriage. And I just disagree with that. I think physical intimacy is important, of course, but it is you know, such a small part of a 24-hour day that we cannot forget that really our friendship, our emotional, our spiritual, and our mental intimacy with our spouse is absolutely critical. And I think that's what fuels the physical intimacy. I think we forget about nurturing friendship and we just focus on physical intimacy. And if you find that this is something that resonates with you, have a discussion with your husband. Talk to him. Make a commitment to each other that you're going to work on your friendship because I guarantee you the physical intimacy will come when you're really intimate Friends. Number two, my husband relies on my encouragement, my tenderness, and my confidence in him to be strong in the world. I had no idea how difficult it is for men out in the working world. I think it's difficult for women in the working world in a different way. But men are constantly assaulted with insecurities inadequacies they're not doing enough and when they come home to a wife who wants to bring all that up for them all their insecurities all the ways they're failing it's just crushing so I realized early on that my husband really depended on me to encourage him to be tender with him and to have confidence in him He used to say that the best part of the day was when we greeted each other with a hug and a kiss when he got home from work. So I would suggest that if you don't already, greet each other warmly, thoughtfully, with a hug and a kiss and some great eye contact. Doesn't need to take long, but it's a connection point that's so important for both of you. Number three, how I say what I say and why I say what I say is critical to the respect he feels from me. Sometimes we say things in a really snarky way. Am I trying to encourage him or am I just cutting him down? Am I pointing out his faults? Am I being supportive? That's all very important. So how you say what you say And why you say what you say is critical to the respect he feels from you. Number four, we have to be unified in our parenting ideas and in our values and goals for our family. So like Michael and me, we came from very different families with very different values and goals and the way to have family life and very different parenting styles. And we had to come together and choose what we thought was going to work best for us. And sometimes that meant compromise from him or from me. But it was more important that we compromised so that we could present to our children a unified front. Because if children don't have clear direction, both in discipline and in values and goals for the family, They are lost. They don't feel safe in the family unit. They need to feel secure and safe because their parents together are leaders. Number five, sacrifice for each other is the super glue of marriage. Stop thinking about what your spouse needs to do to make you happy. Just start thinking about what you can do to make him happy. How can you live a sacrificial love. When I stopped making Michael responsible for making me happy, guess what? We both started really living sacrificial love. I sacrificed out of love, and he did too. Number six, show your children that your spouse is first. This is absolutely critical. Saint Jose Maria Escriva used to say, treat your spouse like your first child with that deep love and tenderness and affection. And oh my gosh, I've been waiting all my life for your first child, and here he is as your spouse. That's how we treat him. Not as a baby, we're not as mommy, I don't mean to say that, but that we treat him with all of that love and tenderness. And we let him do things his way with the kids sometimes. Our children are all adults now. And you know what? The greatest times of their lives, when when I was away on retreat, (laughs) they had a lot of fun with dad because he did things differently than I did. And it was fun for them. Number seven, pray for your husband. I mean, really, pray for your husband every day, all day. Pray for him that he will be the man, the husband, and the father that God created him to be. Ask Jesus to just take care of all his needs. Number eight, be empathetic and don't keep score. See the good in him always. That softens our heart when we look for the good instead of focusing on what irritates us or what his weaknesses are. And give him the benefit of the doubt. Instead of assuming that he's doing something just to annoy us or just because he doesn't care, give him the benefit of the doubt. Sometimes, guys, just forget. They just do. We've asked them to do something 10 times. They just forget. Doesn't mean anything about us. Doesn't mean that they don't love us or they don't respect us. They just forgot. Don't assume his actions mean something that they don't mean. Number nine, be patient with his temperament, especially if it's different from yours. You are both figuring things out as you go. And now Michael and I, in our 60s, we are more alike for sure than we were our first year of marriage. I've adopted some of his tendencies and he's adopted some of mine. That's the beauty of a long marriage, is that you become like each other. And you begin to appreciate that the differences in temperament actually Add depth to your relationship. Number 10, sometimes it is better to let the sun go down before an argument is resolved. So I'm sure you've heard this advice that, you know, we are often given when we're married, don't let the sun go down on your anger. And we tried to do that. And what we found at 10 o'clock at night when we were exhausted and we knew that the baby was going to wake up at two in the morning was that we got angrier with each other. It was so bad. And so we would just fight for hours trying to resolve something, but we couldn't resolve it because we were too tired. So sometimes it's better to say, hey, let's talk about this tomorrow. And I am a person who is not comfortable when there's conflict. So that was very difficult for me. I wanted to resolve it right away so I could feel better. But what I had to realize was, I will feel better in the morning when I can think clearly and logically and with less tired emotion. And we often resolved our conflicts so much quicker. All right, and here's the bonus one. This is my bonus lesson. Be committed for the long haul. There may be days or maybe years when you're struggling. Maybe you're struggling with addictions, his or yours. Maybe you're struggling with betrayal or feeling like you're in a one-sided marriage. Challenge yourself to love unconditionally. Then from that space of loving unconditionally, challenge him lovingly. You may need to create boundaries or make requests around his behavior, but from a place of love and compassion. When our spouse feels love, acceptance, compassion, and sometimes heroic sacrifice, that's when they're inspired to make the changes that may otherwise be extremely difficult to make. Thank you for being here. Know you're all in my prayers. Take care and have a great week. Do you have a life coach who helps you be the woman you want to be? The woman God has called you to be? Who helps you sort through your marriage or parenting difficulties and helps you create the mindset you need to embrace your vocation with joy and gratitude. If you're looking for a coach, I would be so honored to help you. Email me at janet at